It is not unusual for novelists to voice their displeasure with filmed versions of their work. But as far as I'm concerned, once an author sells the movie rights, he or she gives up the right to complain. However, I am intrigued when the author dislikes an adaptation that is revered by everyone else. And then, as the years roll by, the film is regarded as a classic. That is what happened to English author Rumer Godden. Born in 1907, she was barely six months old when her entire family shipped out to India. A precocious child, Godden spent her formative years there, and when she returned to Sussex in 1920, she had already written her autobiography. Actually, she had it completed by the time she was seven, and her writing didn't stop there. For the rest of her life, prose poured from her pen, and in all, she authored 54 novels, several volumes of poetry, as well as numerous non-fiction works. Of the 13 novels that were adapted for the screen, the one that is by far the most famous is Black Narcissus. Here is Godden recounting the incident that sparked the story. But we were in a picnic in Shillong, in Assam. I wandered away from the picnic and went down one of the gorges. And I suddenly came upon a grave. And it was an English grave. It was just lettered Sister Mary and her dates, which I've forgotten. She was 18. And how she came to be buried there, I don't know. There was no sign of a mission or a convent or anything, nor did I ever discover one. Black Narcissus deals with a group of English nuns as they struggle to maintain a convent high up in the Himalayas. Of all the films based on her books, this is the one Godden hated. Everything about it is phony, she said. It's not a comfortable spot and it's at the back of beyond. First you have to get to Darjeeling and then I have to find you ponies and porters to take you into the hills. Mupu is 8,000 feet up. The peaks on the range opposite are nearly as high as Everest. The people call the highest peak Nanga Devi. It means the bear goddess. I live down in the valley out of the wind. So do the general and so do the people. Mupu Palace stands in the wind on a shelf on the mountain. It was built with the general's father to keep his women there. It's called a palace, but there may be a slight difference between your idea of a palace and the general's. Anyhow, there it is. In one way, Godden was right. The film is fake. But in another way, she was wrong. To complain about the lack of authenticity is to utterly miss the point of the film. Yes, not one frame of the movie was shot on location. It was made entirely in England. But that simulation is the very texture the filmmakers were interested in exploring. The filmmakers were Michael Powell and Emmerich Pressburger, and together they wrote, produced and directed a series of films, The Life and Death of Colonel Blimp, a Canterbury Tale, A Matter of Life and Death, The Red Shoes and The Tales of Hoffman that stand among cinema's finest achievements. How so? Their films utilise cinematography, editing, music, sound, silence, costume and location to explore and deliver intense emotional states. For Black Narcissus, they used all of those devices to show that emotional suppression leads to hysteria. There's no place to put a nunnery, I can tell you that. Difficult, but not impossible. Nothing is impossible. Is a contemplative order? I mean, do you live in meditation, whatever you call it? Do you keep solitude? Our order isn't in the least like that. We are very busy people. We're going to open a dispensary, a school for children, and a class for girls. Good. You'll be doing me a great favour when you begin to educate the local girl sister. Orson Welles once said that a film is never really any good unless the camera is an eye in the head of a poet. More than that, a cinematographer is a visual psychiatrist. 
Through the framing and lighting of a scene, they gather all the external components necessary to indicate what the actor is feeling internally. What the cinematographer does is visualise their emotional states. So it doesn't matter whether Black Narcissus looks phony. It feels real. Are you all right, sister? Of course I'm all right. Show me your arm. I'm perfectly all right. So you've got them too? What have I got? Spots. I've got them. Every one of us has got them. There must be something in the water here that's very unhealthy. The natives drink it. They get sick themselves. And everything in the film that looks phony but feels real is down to the talents of two men. No, not Powell and Pressburger, but the director of photography, Jack Cardiff, and the production designer, Alfred Junge, both of whom received Oscars for their work here. So let's examine what we see and what it makes us feel. The film takes place in a convent high up in the Himalayas. Up there, the winds never stop. Does that suggest freedom or constant torment? Being that big closer to heaven, it is a suitable place for a convent, but that place used to be a harem. With those two extremes, could the location now be a metaphor for sexual repression? Now look at the habits the nuns wear. They are all white, virginal, sure, but does the colour not suppress their personalities? The village drums that echo up from the valley below, could they signify a pulse of a different sort? And then there is the use of the word order. The convent is anything but orderly. It teeters on the abyss of emotional turmoil. When the general gave us the deeds, our boundary line was to be 500 yards round the building. That's right. So the holy man is living on our ground. He was here first. Yes, but Mr. Dean, I find all these things very distracting. Distracting? Yes, disturbing. This clear air and the wind always blowing and the mountain and the holy man sitting there day in, day out and the people coming to see him. They climb the path by the house and they stop and sit and stare at us. The nuns struggle to till the small garden they use to grow vegetables. Another metaphor? One of them abandons the vegetables and plants flowers instead. And that brings us to the title, Black Narcissus. It's a flower and it conjures up vanity, carnal pleasure and passion. In the movie, it is more than that. It is the name of the perfume favoured by Sister Ruth. Of course, all these elements are present in the book. But what Powell and Pressburger did was to stylize the visuals so we see the neurosis reaching breaking point. You can't order me about. You have nothing to do with me anymore. I know what you've done. I know that you've left the order. I only want to stop you from doing something you'll be sorry for. Sister Philippa is going back in a few days' time. I want to send you with her. That's what you would like to do. Send me back and shut me up. That's what you would all like to do. You know that isn't true. Why should we want to keep you here against your will? Because you're all jealous of me, especially you. At least wait till the morning. Wait till the morning and I'll wait with you. As the film veers into its third act, there is a dramatic shift in the tone and style. Throughout the first two thirds of the film, almost everything is done to present the world in as optimistic a manner as possible. Certainly there are difficulties, but the nuns are resilient. But then, when Sister Ruth suffers her breakdown, light is overtaken by darkness and the vibrant colours congeal into threatening reds and oranges. The veils are finally pulled back and what was once symbolic now becomes very real we finally grasp what we are looking at is a horror film. Something similar happens in another movie we looked at a while ago, Rosemary's Baby, 
And while it is obvious Polanski had studied the films of Alfred Hitchcock, there are parallels to what Powell and Pressburger did here. Black Narcissus is a great picture, but not without its flaws. Its main one is the cringeworthy manner in which it portrays the Indian people. More than cringeworthy, it's phony. So in that respect, Rumor Garden was right.